0: Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God.
1: This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest.
0: Your hermitage of the heart.
1: Your monastery of of of, of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw upon the wisdom of the saints to help us to understand how to draw near to the Lord, how to uncover uh, barriers and difficulties in spiritual growth, all, all, all things like that. And uh, today we uh, have a special guest. She's been with us before. We were very impressed by her before. And uh, she is our guest today because um, the author of this very important book has passed away.
0: Oh, and it's an amazing book, I have to tell you. I Well, do you want to do her bio first? Should, go ahead. <laughs> so let me introduce our our guest, Kristen van Uden. Uden? Uden. 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 Okay. Um, and she is here as the author spokesman at Sophia Institute Press. So our partners at Sophia, we love Sophia. She received her master's in history from the College of William and Mary and her BA in history from uh, history in Russian from St. Anselm, Anselm College. She studies the persecution of Catholics under communist regimes. She has been featured on a wide, wide range of media platforms, including Coast to Coast AM, the Federalist, and Catholic Faith Network. So, welcome, Kristen. Glad to have you today.
2: Good morning. Thanks so much for having me, and happy Easter.
0: Thank you. You too. He is risen. He is risen indeed. (laughs) Um, So what's it like talking for a a dead person?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Here at Sophia, we have such a treasury of reprints from the church's vast and long history. And I am blessed to be able to represent some of our wonderful dead authors, many of whom are saints in heaven. Uh, I had a book by St. Robert Bellarmine, Doctor of the Church, the other day that I was discussing. So it's wonderful to be able to be a representative of their tried and true wisdom and proven wisdom uh, oftentimes comes with an imprimatur from the ages of of the church's history. So I am very blessed. I've always been a bookworm and a reader, and to be able to read for a living and discuss books is kind of a dream come true, especially when they're Catholic books. Yeah,
3: that's awesome. awesome.
1: So the subject today, it's Rooting Out Hidden Faults, which is the title of this book, the subtitle is how, to, uh, how, how the particular examine conquers sin. But before we do that, I want to preface it with this. So there are three phases in the interior life, the purgative, illuminative, and unitive, and that's just been long held um, by the doctors of the church as a good way of describing what you would describe similarly or comparatively, you know, toddler, adolescent, young adult, adult. It, it, it's the phases of growth spiritually that occur. The first phase is incredibly difficult to get out of, and most Catholics are in it, and that's called the purgative way. The reason most Catholics are in it, they're, they're twofold. One is they don't get uh, past habitual sin, mortal and venial, and they don't know how to do that, and that's we've talked about this a lot in the show. The second is they're, they don't have good self-awareness. Uh, and this is not an accusation that's made uh, with specificity. It's a universal accusation <laughs> of all of us. And you, many have heard me say over and over, the human person has an infinite capacity for self-delusion. We judge ourselves on what we aspire to be rather than what we are, and we give ourselves credit for good intentions, whether we achieve them or not. So this, tri, this you know this trifold, if you will, a tripartite um, Un-
0: unholy, <laughs> unholy tripartite, <laughs> this <own> unholy trinity, <laughs>
1: right, is what keeps us from progressing spiritually. Um, I would, I would dare say, uh, most the vast majority of people, and I would even put myself in this category, don't know themselves well enough to make spiritual progress without external input. That's why you need to be involved in a community like Apostoli VA or married or in a religious community or something. And certainly
0: under spiritual direction.
1: Certainly under spiritual direction, because this is a huge, huge problem for people uh, to get past. And, you know, I'll give you two examples. Uh, Teresa of Avila and uh, St. Catherine of Siena, both doctors of the church, began their most important treatises on the spiritual life. That both of them uh, wrote, respectively, Catherine was the dialogues with the God, the Father, speaking through her, and Saint Teresa of Avila's uh, uh, interior castle. Both begin with saying, "Self knowledge is absolutely vital." So as you enter in and you're trying to learn and trying to grow, if you don't have it, you're lost. What do you think? Is it that important?
0: Oh. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly. And that's what I love about this book As I was reviewing it and reading it. So many consolations because everything, everything in it helps us figure out who we are, who we really are. Like Great questions, great um, examines that help us say, okay, who am I really? How do I affect not only myself, but others around me? And is it towards God, away from God? Am I you know, am I, do I build up? Do I break down? You know, what is, what is going on with my behaviors and how I see the world and my self perception and how does that affect things? Primarily my relationship with God.
1: Right. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. You're listening to divine intimacy radio. We're talking about how to root out hidden faults, things that we don't see a great text published by, uh, Sophia Institute press. Kristen, uh, you know, it's interesting to me, and I you're you're a lot younger than we are, and uh, I don't know. You know, what I see in the younger Catholic world is a is a renewed reverence for tradition. Are you seeing the same thing?
2: Yes, that actually resonates with me very well. Particularly, I discovered the traditional Latin Mass about a year and a half ago, and it has completely rejuvenated my spiritual life and the way I live my life. and As part of that, so much of it was just filling the gaps in catechesis that I had maybe missed growing up as a cradle Catholic and delving into the church's history and tradition and some of these older tried and true works, such as this one, which was originally published in 1952 that had just been forgotten and had been something I had not come across being raised as a Catholic and having even attended Catholic school. So I do believe that the youth have this this hunger for tradition and authenticity. We often hear about, oh, how can the church appeal to young people? And my answer to that is just by being the church, we don't want to be pandered to, we want to see truth and beauty and move towards it as the soul would move towards God. So that is certainly a pattern that I have noticed as well.
1: So well said. So the book is published in 52, which is, of course, before the Second Vatican Council. A lot of disruption after the council. We won't talk about any issues there. But just in terms of the truth uh, of the Catholic experience after the council is what uh, what I would describe as a a, um, minimizing sin, um, minimizing piety and and holiness. And I think what this book does uh, is it brings you a pre-conciliar mentality of understanding what sin is. I mean, we do have a great book published by Sophia after the council as well that does the same, does a lot of good too, which is The Seven Deadly Sins by Kevin Vost. And I, and I actually think they, they're great companions. But this book doesn't have some of the post-conciliar baggage of watering down sin, which is why I think it has the edge and the power that it does. I don't know, Steph, is that ring true to you as you were
0: yeah and i, I mean for some, for anybody out there who who would listen to this and kind of bristle and go okay you know what where are we going with this and mm-hmm. do i really need to read a book that's old and that it's pre <laughs> you know all this um let let's just get down to the brass tacks of this the beauty of how can we possibly grow in virtue if we don't know where our faults are right if we don't understand where um, where we are are lacking, and what is a barrier between what is ultimately our goal, which is union with God? Mm-hmm. You know, our in heart, this life, in this life, and our heart needs to belong completely to God. No barriers. So what sin is is a barrier. Yeah. it is a barrier between us and God. It's a way that we basically something in our soul, our heart, or our mind, is it does not belong to Him. Mm-hmm. It belongs to the enemy. It, it's being used in a way that is contrary to our true design. Yeah. Right. So we want to be holy. We, we don't want any of those barriers. I love the term an uncontracepted heart. Mm-hmm. Right. We want an uncontracepted heart, life, mind, spirit, body, soul. No barriers to God. No barriers to God. Nothing that we're holding back. Completely vulnerable, completely open to him, so that he can so fill us and so animate us that we become the creatures that he created us to be, not not some you know inauthentic, um, you know, uh, invitation caricature, right? caricature. right.
1: So, Kristen, um, the this book promotes something called a particular examine. Uh, what's the difference between a particular examine? and a typical examination of conscience.
2: So a particular examine is one that seeks to help the penitent root out what is known as their predominant fault. So it's organized rather than around the Ten Commandments, instead around the seven deadly sins. Yeah. And the seven deadly sins are so insidious because often they can manifest almost as personality traits or as parts of the character because they've become so entrenched, so we all know somebody who we say, oh, he just has a temper or he has anger issues instead of actually thinking, wait a second, maybe that comes from a sin of anger as a predominant fault rather than an immutable character trait that we just have to chalk up to inevitability and not try to change. And we see this with, oh, so-and-so is stuck up with pride or you can do this with all of them, like they're they're stingy with avarice. So these are things that often are difficult to pin down to something that is confessable as well. Because with the Ten Commandments, it's quite easy to go through them and to note a clear violation of each and to note whether or not that violation was mortal or venial. So the more legalistic way that the Ten Commandments are set up make that preparation for confession quite easy and oftentimes doesn't require the level of introspection that a deeper examine would. This instead, this examine includes for each predominant fall, each deadly sin, this very comprehensive list of questions that include things that may or may not actually be sins themselves, but that point to that sin as your deeper root of of your problems. So something like, uh, we'll get into the different types of pride, but am I suspicious slash distrustful? that in and of itself is not necessarily a sin, right? You wouldn't confess I am distrustful in the confessional. But when you use that to sort of assess yourself or psychoanalyze yourself, you can come to a greater picture of, in this case, the pride of timidity maybe being at the root of your sins. So the author really emphasizes that we should not only when we do an examination of conscience be seeking to stop mortally sinning and stop venially sitting, but also to figure out what are those barriers between us and God and us in allowing grace to fully flow through our souls. And so, this book, in its way, in the way that it's organized, you can do it over the span of your entire life. I had never done an exam like this before, and Rather than doing it at the end of each day, it's something that you can take in larger time books as well to
0: determine
2: which one is your predominant fault. And I guarantee if you read it and if you go through the questions, you will identify your predominant fault. And of course, there's
1: there's no doubt
2: that goes into that, but you will not walk away from this not knowing.
1: Sorry to cut you off, but we got to go to break. We come back from the break. What I think we want to do is talk about uh, predominant fault so people understand what we're talking about. So we'll be right back.
3: Discover more and apply today at avaladashinstitute.org.
1: This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. We're with Kristen Van Uden talking about rooting out hidden faults and how do we get past barriers to our spiritual growth and and even a holier, healthier life. One thing I mentioned before the break, I wanted to talk about it, is what is a predominant fault because a lot of people have never heard that language before. Synonyms they may have heard like roots and. Or dominant defect, or whatever I use root sin in my book, uh, navigating the interior life.
0: That but, has a great little quiz, right? In it, it does that can help you identify what your root sin is according to to pride, uh, sensual and va- sens- sensuality, and vanity.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a so the reason I did it that way instead of against the seven deadly sins is because. It's introductory. It's to get people moving the right direction. St. John the Evangelist in his epistles divided up sins in that category. And so historically in the church, uh, there's been that category. But then then what has been most normative later on was the seven deadly sins. So let's talk about what is a dominant fault or a predominant defect. Kristen, what, what what do you have on your plate there that describes that?
2: The predominant defect or predominant fault is the sin towards which you gravitate the most that ultimately is the root of all of your other sins. And so someone, pride is one of the more common predominant faults as Father McElhone diagnoses it here, which makes sense because we know, of course, pride is the first sin and and the, the chief of the sins, of the deadly sins, particularly. So this fault is something that you return to again and again. It often is the cause of recidivism in confessions where the, the person will confess the same sin again and again without making the clear amendment to change or with making the clear amendment to change, but then the sin manifesting itself in another way. So it often comes from a, a root wound or a root tendency but it is the sin that is your greatest struggle in this life, the one that Satan exploits the most when he's trying to keep you away from God, and the one that's hardest to throw off.
0: That's really well said. Yeah, and, and, and we'll suffer that till the end of our life, till our last breath. Yeah, you never you know?
1: really get rid of your predominant right. defect. But we fight valiantly right. against it, right? Yeah, it is possible, I will say this. Uh, Teresa of Avila reveals that it is possible. Well, and of course, the spiritual doctors of the church, uh, it it is possible to not to get pe- to a point where you are not uh, daily, weekly, monthly sub- subjected to or falling to your predominant sin, but it is something that w- you will always have to be aware of.
0: Right? right, right. So it gives us hope, but we know that it'll it's always there. So we so in order to not get complacent and just think oh well things are kind of quiet i don't have to worry about this we need to be always aware that we will we will battle that to the end no matter how well we're doing so what are some sneaky ways that the seven deadly sins manifest i love you know this question because it's important because we need to understand well if i go to daily mass i'm going to confession you know at least once a month and and you know i'm i i don't kick puppies and i don't flip off people when i'm driving I'm doing pretty good. You know, what are some of the sneaky ways that that these sins uh, can show up in our lives?
2: I think these sins often manifest as attitudes or dispositions of the soul. And so many of them are sins against charity. And in the antidotes to these sins, when when Father McElhone speaks of the virtues, he says that oftentimes combating sin is as much what you do not do as what you do. So with mm-hmm. sins of anger and avarice and envy, sometimes biting back that nasty word or that judgmental thought, which is seen as an inaction or as a, a negative action on that spectrum, is often the way that you combat that sin and is the way that you gain perfection in that area of your life. So I think we often make excuses for these types of sins because we they they often don't elevate themselves to the point of mortally sinning. They... Are how we think of our personality, but it is quite encouraging to identify them as sins, because that means that they are not something that you are enslaved by, but rather something that you can overcome through grace, instead of just throwing up your hands and saying that I just happen to be, you know, you can, you can pick any Beautiful. of these sins, prideful yeah. or, or whatever it is, you can say, no, that that is something that does not come from me, that is something that is sin that comes from original sin and my fallen nature. But as such, it has been redeemed. And as a Catholic, I can request the grace of God to help me overcome this. And that is freeing, really, in a way, because you you know that while you will live with the temptation towards the defect as part of your personality, the acting on it is something that can be changed. And you, there is no reason that you have to sin. Once you've identified it as sin, you can conquer it.
0: Yeah, I think what's what's really powerful, too, because, you know, we can sin in thought, word and deed. Right. Mm -hmm. So deed is we've carried it through word. You know, in essence, we're carrying it through because it's coming out in some way. But even in thought, when we think about, you know, I, I may get angry at something and be irritable about it. I may act on it. But even if you go back to the thought of the anger, the pride and the judgments that that's in that should Make us aware that there's something in us that needs to be rooted out, right? That mm-hmm. that we that the Lord is calling us to such perfection, that through His grace and His grace alone, if we seek it and ask for it, as you mentioned, that He can purify that in us. So, in something like you know this particular examine, we can examine our thoughts, examine the root of where it's coming from, down to the minutia of the beginning thought, right? where our eyes are cast, where our thoughts go, and ask our Lord to purify that um, through the intercession of Our Lady, most certainly, because she is the purest one, and and say, help me, help me, stop me before I even get there, before my thoughts go there, right, and and purify this in me.
1: This is Dan and Stephanie Burke with Divine Intimacy Radio. You're listening to uh, Kristen uh, Van Uden as a guest, rooting out hidden faults, but one thing that you've alluded to, Kristen, a few times that I think is worth teasing out, and that is, uh, I'll, I'll give you an, an example. Once I was teaching a class on um, discernment of spirits at the Avila Institute, and what and St. Uh, Ignatius calls us to choose patience. And the person was shocked because they she had never thought of patience as something. She thought of, I'm either patient or impatient, but never thought I need to choose to be patient. and I think one of the, one of the great diseases of our time, and especially among the younger generation though we're just as messed up uh, the older we get, but is this our emotions are what we are, right? If I feel like a man and I'm a girl, biologically I'm a man, you know um, is that does this book help to unravel that sickness uh, in, in the younger generation, I guess any generation?
2: absolutely and i like how you point out how the virtues and the vices operate similarly in this way because we are predisposed towards certain virtues just as we're predisposed towards certain faults or vices as well so for some humility comes much more easily than for others and we see this in the saints how certain saints had particular virtues highlighted in their lives but that does not mean that you are stuck and say okay i've picked my virtue prudence i should not work on the other ones no, we are called, of course, to grow in perfection and all of the virtues, not just the ones that come easily to us. And so oftentimes you'll, I'll see people taking as a penance or as a spiritual practice, cultivating the virtue at which they are the worst at this moment mm-hmm. as a way to to grow in all of the other virtues. And the way that I understand growing in virtue, it's it's a rising tide moves all ships or however that um, little phrase goes and so if you are aiming towards a virtue and aren't necessarily neglecting the others you will likely grow in the others just absolutely as you downwardly true. spiral towards vice if you're particularly focused on one sin all of your other morality will sink along with it
1: absolutely true you know I want to tell folks who are sitting here going I love this I'm gonna buy the book and you should rooting out hidden faults before the show Stephanie said this ought to be required reading in a VA community mm-hmm. Uh, And I think she's probably right. But I do have a course on how to take this kind of knowledge, a free one, and put it into practice. And it's about—it's called How to uh, uh, Develop a Plan of Love. I think it's what it's called. And it's out at apostoliva.org, A-P-O-S-T-O-L-I-V-I-A-E.org. You pick up a book like this. The question then becomes, how do I live it? And so what we do is we help you. To create a what's traditionally been called a rule of life, we call it a plan of love, so that every single day you're waking up and you're asking yourself the question, how, or every evening, whatever it is, how did I do against this predominant defect and its manifestations, and and then you learn your to know yourself, you adjust, you you know, you see patterns that you would never see before because I think Kristen, one of the biggest issues. Of getting free like the first step of getting free is one i guess knowing you're deluded but i think two it's becoming aware of its manifestations does that does that make sense
2: definitely and not only do these manifestations pollute your own soul but father McElhone also discusses how they drag down the entire church every sin has a ripple effect on the church as the mystical body of christ so he speaks of this in regards to pride especially when he uses the example of the Pharisees and their pride, which was clearly their predominant fault. He says, holiness suffers just as a whole. For many who are not judges of true and false piety see this false type and decide that they do not want to be good. So if you see a false, very vain person pretending to be a catholic and then you say that's what catholicism is as as a potential convert for example you may not be attracted to the church so this this predominant fault not only will damage your own soul but is something that in an act of charity towards others and towards our lord of course whom all sin offends and towards the church as a whole must be rooted out
1: so i this is this has been a great show Kristen. I wish we had more time uh, rooting out hidden faults, how the particular examine conquers sin. I'd also recommend the seven deadly sins by Dr. Kevin Vost. And then my own work navigating the interior life. If you start with na- navigating the interior life, you'll get a good initial questionnaire to kind of get somewhere in the proximity. We have the free course out at apostoliva.org. Sophia Institute press is doing some of the best work in the church today. Uh, If you are ever wondering, I need a good book on X, I would strongly recommend you head out to Sophia Institute Press. And, of course, always you can find books from any publisher at EWTN's Religious Catalog. And uh, they're always vetted by theologians and always very uh, reliable and faithful. So with that, thanks for being with us,
0: Kristen. Yes, Thanks
2: thanks for having me.
0: Okay, until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May He preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit SpiritualDirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.